Today we're going to begin a, a series, take us the next two, uh, two and a half months, and we're looking at the Gospel of Luke, the 15th and the 16th chapters. And we're going to focus on them for a few months because one of the things that has become increasingly clear to me, God has blessed us as a church, and, and it's obvious to see in one way because God's blessed us with numbers. God's blessed us with you. And that's an incredible thing. When we started uh, nine years ago, we didn't know, I've told you this, we didn't know if we'd make it to Christmas. And so all this is just kind of a, um, kind of a mind-blowing thing, and God is awesome. But as God is blessing us with numbers, it's also becoming increasingly clear that there's something else that God would like to do around here. God's calling us to grow in the depth of our faith at the same time that our church family is growing in numbers. God's calling us to grow in our maturity as Christians in the way that we look first at ourselves or rather than, rather than just look at other people and, and point out what they might be doing wrong. I've said since the beginning around here that what God called us to do was, was to grow oak trees with deep roots rather than mushrooms. We see a lot of churches that grow real fast, they get real big, they get big quickly, and then they just kind of disappear because they didn't really have much of a foundation and not much root system below them. And growing in depth, growing deep roots, that's up to you and I individually. We grow those roots intentionally to become the church. See, the easiest thing in the world is to point out the, the sin and the faults and the flaws in other people. That's easy. You know, you don't have to go to church very long and, and you get an understanding of what God sees as right and wrong. And pretty quickly you can start pointing out all the wrong that other people are doing. That is really simple to do. Yet one of the last things most of us want to do is to take a long, serious look in the mirror at ourselves and how we're really living. Not how we want to pretend to be living or how we want people to think that we're living, but the real truth of how it is that we conduct our lives day to day. That's why the title for this series is, Who's Really Looking Back at You in the Mirror? And the answer to that is the only one that really knows is you and God. You and God know the answer. The rest of us, see, what we look for is the fruit in each other. Yeah, you can say one thing, I can say one thing, but what are we doing? What are we living? What are the choices that we're making? So we look for the fruit or the evidence of what we say we believe, who it is that we say that we are. Our actions speak a lot louder than our words. If we don't show that what we say and believe is true in our actions, then that inconsistency tells the whole world that we don't really believe what we say we believe. That inconsistency makes us liars, and, and what we do is we make a mockery of the name that we take as Christian. I've been looking very honestly, very critically at our strengths and our weaknesses as a growing congregation, and one of the, the biggest areas that we need to pay full attention to is something that I think every church in America needs to pay attention to, and it's a difficult thing to do. One of our growth areas has got to be in the area of personal discipleship. Not, not just for us, but I think the church in the U.S., but we need to be concerned about us, who we are, real, intentional, Jesus-following discipleship. Churches don't talk about it. It's not real flashy. It's not always a lot of fun. But we must, as a church, be in the business of intentionally and actively building 
training, teaching, and growing each other up as disciples in Jesus. We do it together. We don't do it on our own, and it needs to begin from here. But then we as a congregation, we as a church family, need to make the decision that individually we're going to do our part. It's not a popular thing because it takes effort. It takes effort on the part of every single one of us that wants to grow as a Christian. If you want to mature as a Christian, it doesn't happen just by getting a good night's sleep. If you want to mature as a Christian, you have to make the decision and be disciplined to do that. That isn't easy. It takes a greater level of commitment than just showing up at church when it's convenient and there's nothing better to do. To be a disciple is to be a disciplined follower of Jesus. And I wholeheartedly believe that God is calling us as a congregation to put our attention toward that. Now, if you want to be a a one Sunday a month or a once in a while churchgoer, you can do that. We're going to love you here just the same and we're going to be happy to see you every time you walk through the door. But please understand, God wants more more for you than that and we want more for you than that. We want God's best for you and God's best is more than us giving Him a half-hearted commitment to showing up when it's comfortable when there's not something better to do. So we know because the Bible tells us what God wants is people who make worshiping Him a top priority in their lives. Not just on Sunday morning, but all day, every day. People who schedule their weekends, their commitments, sports and family fun around the priority to be right here with your church family on Sunday morning and to give God the very best of who we are in this time and throughout the week. That's what it is to be a disciple. What we're about to read in the Gospel of Luke is about the problem that the church leaders had with Jesus. And they felt that he had this unreasonable preoccupation with sinners. They didn't like the fact that someone who claimed to be a leader would spend his time with the wrong kind of people. Before we go any further, I'm going to tell you something. That's how we should be as a church. Not condoning, supporting, or encouraging sin, but by being welcoming to sinners. We should be disciples of Jesus in our own life and on our own time, so that when we're in the world, there's a clear difference between what the world believes and what we believe as followers of Jesus. John 8.12 says, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Disciples of Jesus are called to carry the light that is the life we have in Him out into the world that is dying in the darkness that they pursue. But if we're not careful and if we don't understand that and if we don't intentionally become disciples, we are not Christians in the world. We are the world. And that takes conscious effort to be something different. So Luke 15, 1 and 2, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up with me. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, and some translations say murmured, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. These sinners, these people who the good church folks looked down on, for the way they lived and how they made their money and the choices they made. These people were drawn near to Jesus. See, here's the thing. They didn't need to be told they were sinners. They already knew they were. 
They didn't need the church people to condemn them. They didn't need the church people to pass judgment on them. They knew who they were. And so do we. We know our sin. We know our sinfulness. We know when it is that we've done something that is against God's will for us. And yet these people did something interesting. They were the ones that were drawing near to hear Jesus. They weren't celebrity gawkers. And I have to imagine in Jesus' day, there was a lot of people that followed this guy because he had a following. And and hundreds and thousands of people, the Bible tells us, showed up when he went places to speak. There were celebrity gawkers even in Jesus' day. They just wanted to see the next miracle. They wanted to see the next show. These were not those people. These were people who very intentionally drew near to hear Jesus. They wanted to hear what He was teaching. They wanted to be close enough that Jesus would see them. They wanted Jesus to notice them even though they knew that they approached Him as sinners. Because they understood from what they had heard that there was something different about Him. And so these tax collectors and sinners drew near to Jesus to hear Him. So before we go any further, we've got to be honest with ourselves. And, and this whole thing on discipleship is about being honest. Which group do you identify with? Do you see yourself as one of the tax collectors and sinners who are pursuing a relationship with Jesus? Do you get as close to Jesus as you can every time that you can so that He knows your name? So He knows you by your face and He knows you by the sound of your voice. He knows your heart, even the sin that fills it. Are you one of those who wants to be near Jesus? Or in reality, do you see yourself as one of those church people? One of those folks that acts like you've already got it all figured out. The one who calls sinners sinners and is happy to point out their sin to them. That pocket yourself away with other people like yourself that act like they've already got it all figured out and can't do anything to improve. And instead they point their fingers and they complain about people who are trying to grow deeper. Unfortunately, that happens in a lot of churches. You know that. The fire of the Holy Spirit takes over a new believer. They are changed because they are not the person they were before they accepted Jesus. They put themselves in the presence of Jesus right in the middle of where He is. And and all too often, that fire gets put out by church members who are afraid that that crazy person might change my church. And that, that person isn't crazy. They've just been filled with the Holy Spirit and nobody told them to be quiet. See, the reality is every church prior to this one I've ever served at, I've seen that take place. Usually by the leaders or the pastors themselves were the ones who doused the flame of the Holy Spirit at work in the hearts and the lives of a new believer that has a face-to-face encounter with the power of the risen Jesus and has been filled with the Holy Spirit. They do exactly what happens in this next verse. Because they don't know what's going on. The Holy Spirit isn't in them. They don't understand it. Verse 2, And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Can you just imagine what their tone of voice was? These are the church leaders. These are the guys in power. They were the ones that could say whatever they wanted to about this Jesus guy. They certainly could say whatever they wanted to about tax collectors and sinners. 
Can you believe what they would, or can you imagine what they would say? This man receives sinners and eats with them. Can you imagine how aghast they must have been? And what was Jesus' response? Did he, did he politely greet these tax uh, collectors and sinners and then get on with the business of his very overscheduled life? No. He welcomed them. He welcomed them, and then he did the unthinkable. He ate with them. He gave up his precious, limited time to sit down and to share a meal with them. In their culture, that was even more profound than what we are able to understand. That's precious time. How dare he? Who who does this Jesus think he is anyway? Why why isn't he fawning all over the Pharisees? The the people who have the power, the, the good church people. Why isn't he giving them the best of his time and attention? I'll tell you why. Because they missed the point of Jesus completely. And I don't want you to miss the point of Jesus completely. I don't want you to just go to church and say, that's it all. That's all I've got to do. If I show up once in a while, I'm good. I got my card punched. There is so much more to the life of a Christian disciple than that. So what do we do now? Where do we even begin? What's the first step? Well, the first thing we do is something that I've said around here an awful lot over nine years, and that is we will not be Pharisees. We will be the people who welcome sinners, not point out their sins and faults and flaws. Because the deal is, the one pointing the finger has got just as much sin and fault and flaw as the one they're pointing to. We will do what Jesus did. We will love sinners. We will not love sin. But like Jesus did, we will welcome them. And then we'll commit to growing deeper. We'll commit to maturing as Christians. Commit to seeking God's heart in prayer. Commit to reading God's Word on a regular structured structured schedule. I heard Patrick last week talk about the numbers for our young people today and how rarely they open up and read the Bible. And I couldn't help but wonder, I wonder what's true of adults. I wonder how many people go to churches in America that don't open their Bible, but maybe once a month. I wonder how often people that go to our church open their Bible. How committed are we to knowing Jesus through His Word? And then we commit to accepting that we're sinners who are redeemed by the death and the resurrection of the King of Kings. One of the things you've got to come to terms with, you've got to accept that you're not perfect. And this side of heaven, you're never going to be. But nobody here expects you to be. You don't have to be perfect. We're not trying to be perfect. We're trying and we need to be committed to looking and living more like Jesus and less like our old sinful self. See, the heart of all this is simply this. To be a Christian means that we've accepted Jesus as our Savior and we've, accepted the, uh, we've received the free gift of forgiveness that's offered to us by Him. That, that's what it takes to be a Christian. I recognize that I'm a sinner. Jesus died for my sins. I accept the forgiveness. But to be a disciple, that's a very different thing. It's an entirely ma- different matter altogether. It's the difference between Jesus as our Savior, which is easy, and allowing Jesus to be Lord of our life, which is completely different. To be a disciple, that's to make Jesus the Savior of our lives. To submit our will and what we want to His will for us. It's to live for Him and not for ourselves. 
to be a disciple, it takes commitment. It takes discipline and it takes a deeply understood acceptance of who we are in Christ. Becoming a Christian doesn't make you perfect. It makes you changed. Not surprisingly, the Bible itself reflects the difference. And I thought that it might, so I did a little bit of digging. Do you know what I found? We use the ESV translation of the Bible. That's what what we preach out of up here. Looking at the ESV, I decided to look at the word disciple and Christian and say, how many times does the New Testament use those two words? That will give me some idea of of what the importance to to God is. In my mind, it's a big deal, but maybe I'm getting off base here. So I looked up the word Christian. How many times in the ESV does the Bible translate from the Greek the word we understand as Christian? To be a believer in Jesus. Three times. Two in Acts, one in 1 Peter. Three times in the New Testament the Bible talks about the word Christian. That's how many times you will see that word in your New Testament. Three. Do you know how many times the New Testament talks about the word disciple? And words are important. In the Bible, there's only so much space, so words matter. In the New Testament of our Bible, the word disciple is used 269 times. Which one do you think God wants us to understand? 269 times it uses the word disciple. Those tax collectors and sinners who drew near to Jesus drew near to truly hear what he was saying, to know and be known by him. And what they were doing was taking the first steps of being his disciples. They understood the importance of that word. They drew near to be in his presence, to hear him, to know him, and to be known by him. They took him and his words seriously. They put a personal relationship with Jesus ahead of what other people thought about them or said about them. And we know that because we know what the church leaders were saying about them. And the real message that the church leaders were giving, those tax collectors and sinners, they've got no business being here. They should go somewhere else. This is for church people. They didn't care those new disciples didn't. They wanted to be close to Jesus. They didn't care what other people said about them. Their priority was to get close to Him. What's your priority? How well you know Jesus and how well Jesus knows you or what other people say about you. See, they were committed to knowing who Jesus was and what it means to follow Him. The next thing, a true disciple? A true disciple doesn't pick and choose when to look like Jesus. A true disciple lives their life to always look like and reflect Jesus in what we say and do. So what's the point of all this? Very simply, my hope and my prayer is that you'll begin with me this this exciting and rewarding journey in this church that's going to carry you through the rest of your life, a journey of discipleship. Not just being a Christian who knows you're going to heaven, but rather being a Christian who has dedicated their life to being a follower of Jesus. Of growing in our knowledge of who He is, our love for Him, our devotion and obedience to Him and In all of that, what's going to happen is that we're going to begin to look more and more like Him and less and less like our old selves. It'll take effort and dedication and passion and discipline. It'll take a daily decision on your part and on my part to draw near to Jesus so that we can begin to look more and more like Him 
and less and less like our sin-filled old selves. To be a disciple of Jesus is quite literally to set ourselves apart for Him. To be a disciple is to set ourselves apart for Him. And the reality is you already understand this. You know what this means. You know what it's like. You've encountered this before in your life and you've all got different examples of it, but you all know what I'm talking about. Some of you decided that you wanted to finish high school. Some of you decided you wanted a college degree. (coughs) Some of you decided you wanted to further your education and she went after a graduate degree. Some of you wanted to excel at a sport. Some of you wanted a particular job. Someone wanted a raise. Somebody else wanted to get a promotion in a different position. Whatever it is, you had to set aside time and discipline and daily attention to achieve that goal. You had to not do other things that you like in order to pursue that goal. The reward of being a disciple, though, here's where people fall. It doesn't involve a raise. You don't get a ribbon or a trophy. You're not going to get your name written up in the paper. There's no promotion. There's no 4.0 GPA. See, the, the rewards of being a disciple of Jesus are well, there things like joy, eternal life, a peace that the Bible says passes all understanding, living a life right here, right now on this earth that leaves behind a legacy that has nothing to do with finances, but the legacy that you leave behind is people who will join you in heaven one day. You understand what it takes to commit yourself to a cause. You've all done it in one way or another. In order for us to be a church that, that actually changes the culture in our area for Jesus, which we've been talking about for a long time, we have to be people who are changed by Jesus. Who intentionally choose to change the culture of our own lives. We can't ask or expect other people to do things that we're not willing to do ourselves. You can't ask someone else to give up something that you're not willing to give up. You can't ask someone to go or to do or to read or to pray in a way that you won't yourself. We have to become disciples first. And we have to change the culture of our own hearts before we're going to be able to change any culture around us. When Jesus gave the Great Commission in Matthew 28, He said this, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. We are commanded by Jesus to be disciple makers. Can't get away from that. This isn't my idea. I'm just reading the book. We're commanded to be disciple-makers, and that, first of all, means you have to choose to become a disciple. You can sit back and say, I'm a Christian, that's good enough for me. But Jesus has called us to more than that. When He tells us to teach others to observe all that He's commanded, first of all, you know what we have to do? We have to be obedient. We've got to be obedient in observing His commands. Here's the deal. You can't teach someone something that you don't know. You can't lead someone to a place that you're not willing to go. In order to make disciples, we have to become 
disciples. In order for us to see a culture change around us, we must begin with the change in our culture. Seems to me the single most important thing here is where it is that you and I stand in relation to Jesus as our Savior. Because I know this, I know it about you and I know it about me. You are not going to believe in something. You won't put your name to it if you don't absolutely get sold out and believe in it. You're not going to give your belief or time or money or much less tie your name to a person or a cause for which you're not willing to take a stand. You will not connect yourself to something that you're not willing to support. So if you've accepted the free gift of salvation that is in Jesus, doesn't it make sense that we start living the new life that goes with it? Doesn't it make sense that the new person no longer resembles the old person? To understand salvation isn't to just simply know that your eternity is secure. To understand salvation is to live it out every day as the new creation that we are in Jesus. It isn't just to say, I'm going to heaven. It's to live that way every day. That's why in Philippians 2.12 it says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, here it is, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Somebody can't do it for you. You're responsible for it. Work out your own salvation. We don't simply accept salvation and then wait to die. That is not what the Bible says. That's what we've made it in America, but that's not what the Bible says. No, we live our salvation. We work it out every day, it says, with fear and trembling. We work it out with gratefulness, knowing the price that was paid by Jesus, that we can know that we're saved. As disciples, we're called, we're expected to live in a way that shows a growing resemblance to our teacher. So let me ask you, do you, do you still look like the old you? You still live like the old you? You still got the same sins and the same habits and the same way of thinking and the same way of talking and seeing other people? Do you still have the old you in you? Or have you met Jesus and there's a new you that doesn't even want to know that person anymore? Where are you with Jesus? Are you working out your salvation on a daily basis to where you're looking more and more like Him? John 13, 15, Jesus says, For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. We should do the things that Jesus has done for us. We should follow His example. We should be like Him. Don't let yourself off the hook and say, well, he sets an example I can't follow. He wouldn't have asked you to follow if you couldn't do it. Jesus followed God's will for his life, and he was a living example of what it is that God desires us to be. To be a disciple is to follow the example that we've been given in Jesus. That, that's why this series is called, Who is Really Looking Back at You in the Mirror? We're going to take an honest look, and I'm going to challenge you if you will come along on this journey with me. I'm going to challenge you every Sunday to look in the mirror and to confront who's really looking back. Is it the old you, or is it a new in Jesus you? A disciple lives to learn from and to serve his or her teacher. They follow them. They work to learn how to live like their teacher. 
They give their lives to learning how to become like the one they follow. And so it is for a Christian who chooses to be a disciple of Jesus. We are to intentionally draw near to Jesus. We are to listen to His teaching. We are to live as He commanded us to live. Finally, we're to grow in our likeness of Him every single day. When we do that, when we choose willingly to draw near to Jesus, what you see happens is that you begin to have a heart of Jesus that grows in you. And before long, as you look in the mirror, you realize there's a little bit softer eyes looking back. You realize there's a little bit less anger, a little less selfishness, a little less pride. And the more that you look and feel like Jesus, the more you realize you look and feel less like the old you. In fact, you realize you begin to have the heart of the one who gave his life and love for us. What you find is whatever effort it takes, whatever it is that you think this requires on your part, it's nothing compared to living, truly living, as the new creation that Christ has died that we could be. The thing that makes me sad is someone who says that they've become a Christian. And then I talk to them a while later and they say, yeah, it wasn't that big a deal. What do you mean? Yeah, nothing changed. And at that point, the hardest conversation in the world is to happen. God did, that has to happen, and that is God didn't fail you. You didn't allow yourself to be changed. You held on to the same old person you've always been, rather than allowing yourself to be the new creation Jesus died that you could be. I'm going to be inviting you in the weeks ahead to make the choice to become a disciple by choosing to draw near to Jesus as we move forward in this series. First thing that you need to do is to make it a priority to be here on Sunday mornings. It's not always going to be easy. But you know what? It is going to be so worth it. I'm going to ask you to consider who it is that is around you that you can learn from. Who can you intentionally be in a relationship with men? Who, who, who is a man who is more mature in faith that you can learn from? Ladies, who is a woman who is more mature in faith that you can learn from? And I'm going to have you consider who is it around you that God might be asking you to help them grow and mature in faith. And you might say, you know what, I've only been a Christian for a week. Don't really know anything. Guess what? God has someone around you who's only been a Christian for a day. There is somebody there who you can help to grow. And you know what? If you want to learn something, what do you have to do? Teach it. So I'm going to challenge you in the days ahead to find someone to learn from and to find someone who you can help mentor. How it is that you can grow in faith and finally how you can serve Jesus in your daily life and in this place. When we talk about opportunities and we're looking for volunteers, do we need the help? Sure we do to to allow the ministry to happen. But you know what we know more than anything? When you give your time that could go a million other places to a ministry to be a part of the work that God is doing in this place, the one who benefits the most is you. It always happens. But we feel like, ah, I'm going to let somebody else do it. It's just not the way that God works. I truly hope you join me on the journey. I truly do. Because we're going to grow in the depth of our faith. And as we do that, our church is going to go stronger as our roots go deeper. But the only way that that can happen 
is if you commit to being a disciple. We can't grow deep roots without you. The church itself is a bunch of buildings and land. I'm going to invite you to be a part of this journey to intentionally grow your roots in faith deeper. I really hope you'll join me. Let's pray. God, this is, this is tough stuff we're talking about, but it's so basic. And it's tough because most of us have never heard it before. No one's ever talked to us. No one's ever lifted up that what you call us to be is not just Christians, but to be disciples. To not just have an eternity that's secure, but rather to have a life that's changed. That we're just not okay being the old person we've always been. That we truly do want to be that new creation that we can be in Jesus because of His death and resurrection for our sins. God, this isn't going to be, it's never been, and it will not become a congregation where we're filled with Pharisees who point the fingers at sinners and call out their sin and send them packing. We will be a place that welcomes sinners and show them in the light of Your love a different way. Not a place that condones or endorses or encourages sin, but that lovingly points sin out so that people can overcome it and stop. That we can be a place full of people who are growing intentionally deep in our faith, that are intentionally growing roots, who are drawing near to Jesus and drawing near to Your heart. Truly, Lord, that is what You called this place into existence for. And it's in the power of Your Holy Spirit that I ask that You would help to make that happen. Not just in me, but in everyone who hears these words, everyone who calls this place home, every visitor who might hear this message. The change begins with us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Most important things coming up, I really do hope you join me on this journey. I hope you take it seriously. I hope you pray about it. I hope you get ready to grow as a disciple. Because disciples do. Disciples do things, things intentionally. They grow in faith. And, and part of what we put on advertise, uh, advertise on the bulletins and part of what we talk about with announcements is opportunities for you to do, things that you can be involved with to grow in your faith. And so maybe for you now is the time to go to one of the, the folks that are in the prayer corners and, and your thing that you need to do is to give up your old life. Maybe you need to repent from some stuff and turn and walk away and leave it behind and start over. If that's the step that God's got you to, please don't walk out of here without doing that, please. Maybe for you the thing you need to do is is Friday there's a women's conference coming up and it's going to be at the harbor. Maybe Friday and Saturday, ladies, that's the thing that you need to do. You need to be around some other women of faith and to grow. Uh, Maybe it's you want to know your Bible better. Wednesday, 6.30, Pastor Jeff is going to start taking a look at the book of Revelation. People don't even read it because they say it's so confusing. He's going to break it down and help you understand what it meant to the folks who first heard it and what it means to the church today. Maybe you want to get to know your Bible better and you don't even know where to start. Sunday mornings, 9 o'clock, up in the senior high building on the hill, Pastor Jeff is doing a a long-time overview. He's going to probably take two years going through the whole Bible from beginning to end. You will understand and know your Bible better at the end of that class than you will from going to seminary. I can promise that because I went to seminary. 
Maybe, maybe for you, it's you need to get involved with other Christians, other believers. Got a table back there for life groups that are kicking off and uh, starting fresh again in the fall, and some of them are continuing to go. Maybe you just need to put yourself with other believers that can help you grow. Maybe, maybe for you or for somebody close to you, it's Recovery Church launches this Friday. Ryan's been putting a ton of work with a lot of people to making that happen. God's going to do some amazing things. Maybe God's called you to be a part of that. Maybe God's just going to call you to pray for that. Maybe, maybe God's calling you to do, as a volunteer, something that you said, ah, you know what, I know that I should, I just don't have the time. We still need people to help out our young people. We still need volunteers on Wednesday night. It, it just kind of boggles my mind that we don't have enough people to help with that. Maybe God is calling you to say, you know what, I'm willing to just to be able to step in and help team teach once in a while or or to uh, grab the curriculum for that week and just get ready to go. Pam's put a huge amount of work with a group of ladies to get that thing ready. Maybe what God's calling you to do is to help out and raise disciples in our young people. Whatever it is, please don't just hear. Don't just hear the good news of Jesus. Act on it. I'm going to invite you to be on this journey of discipling with me. And I, I would hope that you would choose to live in it. I would choose that, hope that you would choose to serve in it, and I hope you choose to grow in it.